You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. When you come to know Jesus, you now have a part to play in this story. You are activated into the work of God in the world, and that involves our stewardship of our resources. And I think that our ability to couple salvation with activation really changes our perspective on what it means to follow Christ in today's world. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We're continuing our series, Heaven on Earth, this week talking about provision. And I'm joined by two friends and special guests. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Aro hey, with us. Good Jose. morning, Taylor. Good morning. Thanks for being here. And we're joined by Crosslight Pastor JD Wilhelm. It's JD, great to thanks be here. for being good here. Great to have you. Jose, we'd love to give you the first word as you are continuing the series talking about provision, looking at Jehovah Jireh and what that means for our stewardship and our finances. Yes. So, looking at this scene in Luke 24. I talked about this yesterday, but these are gifts that Jesus is bringing from heaven to earth. And it was a hyperlink that sent me to the story in Luke chapter nine about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it wasn't until I started reading that story in Luke nine that I saw how cool the parallel was where Jesus was sending out the 12. He was telling them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Those are the two things that we've already talked about in this series. And so this third thing is, hey, don't take anything with you. Um, rely on me and um, provide for others. Mm-hmm. Feed these 5,000 the way that he directed the disciples disciples to do that. So uh, stewardship is something that we all get to do. We all have stuff at some, you know, to some degree. And um, this idea that we are stewards of what God already owns is so important for us to get as we, you know, talk about bringing heaven here on earth. So yeah, that's a little bit about where the message came from and excited to talk more about it. Yeah, let's, let's jump in here. I'd love to get both of y'all's thoughts on, uh, first with this passage in Luke 9, Jose, you brought up the story of Jesus talking to the disciples about right before he feeds the 5,000 and the disciples, you know, he's like asking them <laughs> about food and they're like, we don't, we don't have any food. There's no, you know, what are you talking about? And yet he says, you give them something to eat. And just that concept that God wants to use us in order to do his purpose, to use our resources that he's given us. So I want to just start there because I think that's such a, a key piece that you unpacked yesterday is just the significance significance of that, that God, this, this idea, we don't need to wait to heaven to experience his provision and even bless others with what we've been given, but that he's calling us to do that now in the same way that he wanted to use the disciples in their work and their ministry. Yeah. One thing that um, came to mind at the beginning of the series is this idea that as believers in Jesus, we're not only saying yes to him in order to get to heaven. So there's not this, there, there isn't a separate, there's no waiting time uh, in our faith between the moment we say yes to Jesus and then the moment that we you know pass away and, and go into heaven. God wants to bring heaven on earth in between. And so that includes all that he has given us. So this example where Jesus is saying, hey, People are hungry, you have something. You may not have a lot, but you have some loaves, you have some fish, you feed my sheep, uh, I think does teach us and remind us that God wants to use what he's given us so that we can bless others and and provide for others' needs, et cetera. So um, that's an important parallel that um, I I, I need to make in my life, that all the things that he's given me right now, because too often I think about the things that I don't yet have mm-hmm. or things yeah. that I want. But the things that he's given me now, he wants to. He wants me to use uh, for his glory. And uh, also he wants me to use those things so that I can provide for those around me. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. So often in kind of our modern Christian parlance, we separate this act of salvation and then this act of activation. As it happens at a later point in time where it's like, I come to know Jesus and then I receive for a long time. And then I hit a certain point where then I get activated into ministry. And what Jesus is saying is like, when you come to know Jesus, you now have a part to play in this yeah. story. You are activated into the work of God in the world, and that involves our stewardship of our resources. And I think that our ability to couple salvation with activation really changes our perspective on what it means to follow Christ yeah. in today's world. Someone came up to me yesterday and just talked about how uh, they were just impressed that our church talks about money because sometimes churches apparently don't talk about that very often. So, but it's something that Jesus talked about. Why do y'all think it is something that not only Jesus spoke of so many times, uh, Jose, you mentioned that stat as far as just four times as much as even talking about faith. And and yet, why is it also important for us as believers to talk about that with one another? Because this is one of those topics that usually people either don't want to talk about or like, right. so, so why is it so important for you to talk about this in the church and even just looking at the word to start? Yeah, so this is so basic, right? We all need money to do stuff. Uh, I'm speaking into a mic that costs money. This is going through a laptop that costs money. We have lights on in this building that those lights need to be paid for. So everything in life revolves around this resource of money. And so it makes total sense that Jesus wants us to see money in, in uh, through his view and not through the view of the world. And sometimes we separate those things because we think, oh, well, with money comes greed. And then Jesus is, you know, over here, he's set apart, he's holy. Uh, but there's this connection, again, when heaven comes to earth, that it's, it's so important to talk about this basic um, thing that we all rely and use every single day, our, our, our resources, our finances, um, as ways and vessels of uh, blessing towards specifically meeting the needs of, of others. So, yeah, I think it's cool that Jesus spoke about it so often because it's all around us. Mm -hmm. I know you said this yesterday, but the Bible talks about money more than it talks about any other subject yeah. in the entire Bible, and the, which is a remarkable thing in and of itself. If you just reflect on that in a very numerical sense, well, if it's the most talked about thing, then it has to be one of the most important things. And I go, I go all the way back to creation. And I think that God created us in his image to exercise dominion and to rule right. over creation. And part of that is the stewardship of the resources that he has given us. This is an innate part of a, being a created human being is how we steward the things that God has entrusted to our care. And I love, I, I picked this up from you, Jose. This like It has to do with our money, but it also has to do with our time. Right. It also has to do with our talents. And our treasure, our money is just the third piece of that. And so we can expand this beyond money to think about, it's a good way of conceptualizing even how am I spending my time, giving up my time? How am I using my talents in the same way to be a good steward of what God has given me? And no matter what resource, the the mentality is even the piece that is so key in all this, this idea of scarcity mindset versus right. abundance yeah. mindset yeah. can trickle into all, not just finances, but can yeah. be the way we spend our time and our energy and our attention. Uh, Jose, you kind of dug deeper into the root of that, talking about just trust as far as either we, we get in a scarcity mentality when we don't think God's going to provide, or we don't believe God will come through, or we think that God, you know, we don't think God's going to be faithful um, to us. And so even bringing up the first sin and how that was just a, a distrust, not thinking, maybe thinking God was holding out on them That's and, and yeah. trying to take matters in their own hands. How do we continue to 
build and gain trust in God when it comes to finances. Mm. And really that I feel like trickles into all the other aspects too, the time, attention, all that. But I think if, if we if we narrow it down to trust in God, how do both of you kind of continue to cultivate a sense of that in your Thinking walks? about this uh, scene where Jesus sees a great need, over 5,000 men plus women and children that need food. They, they, they need something basic. Um, it's really remarkable that Jesus empowers the disciples to be the people that feed. So I'm just putting myself, you know, as a leader, that's a great time to shine <laughs> as a leader and say, look, I, I'm gonna provide for food. Now he does the blessing, he he gives instruction, but he empowers them, the, the apostles. And he says, hey, sit in groups of 50. So, so he's delegating authority and he's saying, you do it. So he's releasing is my point. And I think for us individually, a great way to exercise trust is to release. That could be authority in your workplace. You know, if you want to trust someone to do something, I mean, that's the only way that your business can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, you as a leader, you have a cap on on, on yourself because you're, you can only do X amount, um, you know, given how many hours, all the things. But if you delegate, if you empower, if you trust others, that allows you to grow. It's the same thing with our finances. When we invest, uh, diversify your investments, right? That gives you more of an opportunity to grow. And so um, giving though, it works the same way. So I would encourage um, you, us to give and release your finances Mm -hmm. and and, you know, just give unconditionally without any strings attached, maybe even uh, foolishly according to how our minds think about it. Uh, it may be an exorbitant amount in your mind, but just just give it away. It doesn't have to be uh, to any certain thing, but just give money away and then see see what happens. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. I remember that there. I was in a chapel service one time and the guy, his lesson on this kind of act of giving is when he saw somebody who was in need, he reached into his pocket and gave whatever his hand came out with without counting first the cost of what that was. So it wasn't the... It could have been five twenties. It could have been five ones. But he was willing to release whatever was in his pocket, and so I think that just comes with this attitude of submission. That it's not mine to begin with, and so therefore it places me in a position of radical trust and submission to God. That He is ultimately the provider, and that that releases me from this like tight gripped needing control. And so recognizing God being in control, submitting to that, even on a moment-by-moment basis, places us in a position to actually give in a very meaningful way. That's a that's a big piece. That's I think much easier said than done, at least oh, in my yeah, life, as far as submitting that. I think about the first point, Jose, you bring up here as far as principles for stewardship, where uh, number one is just who's in charge and basically recognizing that I'm just a steward and that I submit to that. And as a, a control freak myself, it's that's that's one of the the hardest areas for me to mm-hmm. to rest in and, and give with. But but something so simple as okay, just just give over control to God, uh, recognize that it's his anyways. And yet, if you're like me, that is just, yeah, it's just hard to actually live that out. So what are ways that you've seen the enemy kind of go against that in your lives? And how do you kind of counter that just with whether it's truth or whether with kind of uh, just practical ways and what you kind of continue to keep that at the forefront of your mind? I'm not you, Taylor, but I know for me, one of the reasons why I don't give is because we don't think that whatever we're giving to deserves that, you know, uh, we, we, put a condition on it. And so a lot of that is is rightfully true. We talk about boundaries also, the importance of uh, setting 
boundaries so that we're not putting ourselves in a place where uh, we're now receiving harm. Um, and so when it comes to giving, we need to be responsible in our giving. And for us, I mean, we're, we're in a church context. A lot of us don't give because we've seen this distorted and we've seen churches and people take advantage of this subject. Mm -hmm. There's the prosperity gospel. There's other things out there that say, if you give, then God will fill in the blank. And so recognizing that that's, that's been a, a, a something that the enemy has used and has really succeeded in talking about those stories of, um, you know, distrust and, and, and breeding distrust. Well, I can't, I can't trust you. I can't trust that. And, and I think that's why it's this example of the widow giving everything that she had is so beautiful because um, Jesus zeroed in on this one woman mm -hmm. in the midst of a crowd and in the midst of very influential and wealthy people. Jesus saw that one person giving something that was big in her life and small in the world's. And so um, it looks different for all of us, what giving looks like, et cetera. But um, I think just focusing on my posture, am I giving because he first gave to me or am I giving in order to receive? That's maybe a good question to, to start with. And if it is a mindset of, I wanna give in order to receive, then that's not from God. That, that, mm -hmm. that's something that the enemy is using to try to actually give us more control, right? Mm -hmm. I think that one of the big things, at least for me in my life, is comparison. The thief of joy truly is comparison. And so if I am thinking that I'm behind, if I am thinking that I have to keep up with everybody else, if I'm thinking that, that I have to get ahead, then really who is in control is some other external entity that I am perceiving in a way that is putting pressure on myself. And so really, for me, the, the act of putting God in the driver's seat in this is resisting the urge of comparison in my own life, where I think like, man, I gave, I oh my gosh, like I need to be here. I need to, I look at my friends who have given themselves to these different sort of uh, business enterprises and things, and they're super successful. And I am in ministry and I've done all of these things and look at where they are and look at where I am. And then when I get into this comparison game, good Lord, I am just so discontent. I now grasp control. I'm unwilling to give anything because I am acting out of the scarcity mindset that you, that you talked about yesterday, Jose. That's good. That's good. I feel like y'all already talked about here the second point here about cheerful attitude and just this concept of loving, not giving. I'd love to ask mm -hmm. you, Jose, just the just the biggest difference between loving and giving as far as, because I think that that's something you really kind of expanded on just as we related to the widow and just all yeah. of this as far as just that difference between those two. Yeah, so love is how much can I give and and then legalist giving or or, or scarcity giving is, is how little can I give. So one is a check mark, mm -hmm. right? And then the other is is this, Man, I I I just want to I just want to give I, I just want to bless and in my life that that's a growth area because I can tend to question well Lord if if I do give then um, you know what's going to happen with 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 you know this need in my life and etc and those are things that um, I think God has given us this discipline of tithing for a reason because He gives us that number and He says hey make that ten percent and so when I give ten percent I'm it's, it's released. There's no question. There's no Holy Spirit discernment there. That's mm -hmm. automatic. 
offering is on top of that. And that's another sermon, you know, on, on, on all of those things. And then the other thing, the other cool discipline that Jesus talks about, I think it's in Matthew five or six, when he says, give in secret, don't mm-hmm. let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So don't make it public, just give. And um, I've personally been on the receiving and the giving end of that blessing where it is so beautiful when we're able mm-hmm. to participate with God in, in those kind of things. I think when it's loving and not giving too, it's hospitable. And so viewing this through the lens of the discipline of hospitality too, and our way of demonstrating love and care to those in our lives is a really cool way of flipping that from like, I have to do this, but very personalizing it to relationships, personalizing it to causes, personalizing it to organizations that you really care about. And you want to demonstrate your partnership, your friendship with that Entity is a really cool way to frame this because then it's an act of love. It's an act of generosity. It's not an act of I have to, but it's valuing them for the person that they are, the organization that they are, that you care about their cause. The third one here is Big Shovel. And the little tagline here is we cannot outgive God. Again, related to all that we're talking about. Jose, you mentioned the storehouse concept, which I thought was really yeah. cool as far as just this idea that the church is not to just be the recipients, but really the vessels in order to bless our community. What would be the biggest difference between those two as far as just simply being a church that's a recipient and then a church that's really a vessel? Hmm. Uh, think of two stories quickly that came to mind. One is Joseph. And uh, Joseph was put into a leadership position with a vision from the Lord that there was gonna be a famine. And so he told Pharaoh, hey, collect seven years worth of goods. And then what happened? God didn't, those didn't stay in the storehouses for long. They stayed in there for seven years and then they were used. Um, and so I think that's the that's the question is, uh, are, are we just storing to, to, to save up and, and hoard? Or, or is it something that God's just using us as a temporary holding place and then move, moving on? And, and the second picture that I got was um, an embassy. I thought about talking about this yesterday, but there was a lot, so I decided to, to omit it. Uh, we're called to be ambassadors for Christ and ambassadors work at an embassy. And so seeing the church as, as an embassy here on earth, um, where, where we are funneling resources, people, uh, goods, so that those, um, that there's two sides. An embassy only represents those that are citizens of that country. So that's good. We need to take care of you know, those that say yes to mm-hmm. Jesus and are the people of God, for sure. Uh, and then we need to say, hey, Citizenships are open. <laughs> you can apply and, and you can receive heavenly citizenship here. Yeah. You know, in fact, we're pursuing you so that you can be included in the best kingdom that has ever existed, the mm-hmm. kingdom of God. Yeah. And, and so those resources are there to, to, to also, you know, move, move that. And, and if we're only building our kingdom, meaning um, if, if we're keeping it and, and it's, it's growing, I'm, I'm thinking maybe vertically, uh, bigger buildings, bigger stuff, all of that stuff, that, then we're missing the, the beauty of the width where we're reaching out to those in our community, meeting the needs, um, seeing people come and receiving that citizenship. So, um, yeah. I think it's cool in the message, it says that Jesus came and then he moved into the neighborhood. And there's this idea then of that is going where needs are. 
And so the purpose, as you said, Jose, is not to have a bigger building or a bigger staff or better lights or whatever the facilities look like, but it's moving into the neighborhood and the places of those needs. I think that that's the interesting, I think embassy is so cool. And then the idea then of turning that outwards and going out and being outposts in foreign lands, right. in foreign places, to be agents for the kingdom of God in those places so that you're establishing then more embassies in new neighborhoods, in new cities, in new countries, and all over the world is that idea that it's not here for us. It's not here to stay inside of the walls, but it's here to go out. Mm, that's good. And that's what invests in the future, invests in eternity. And that's what kind of this last one here, as far as who has who until God is in control of my life, I am out of control. And Jose, you kind of brought up, I wrote down a few questions here, but just kind of that we can reflect on whether, where are we storing up our treasure? And when we go to heaven, will our investments show up there? And then are we investing further in the kingdom of God on earth or are we wasting it? And so for someone that's maybe listening, how does it look, what does it look like to practically kind of just evaluate how we're doing on stewardship, whether it's our time, whether it's our resources? Are there any tools, any examples that y'all have in your life where you've kind of taken a look at this and, and kind of allowed God to speak into this arena of your life? Yeah, I mentioned that Screen Time app. I, I botched the name, Second Service, but uh, Screen Time app on our phones tell us where, where, our, where our time is going when we spend time on our phones. And so I've done that personally, and, and I've made big big time changes. So that's my time. That's yeah. that resource. Yeah. And I can tell you, I am uh, healthier. I am uh, happier, <laughs> more yeah. satisfied, uh, spending less time on my phone and placing limits there so that I can uh, really be present where, where I'm at. So that's one small practical way. And then the second is uh, most of our bank statements are online. So they're a couple clicks away. If you're on our phone or on a, on a laptop and we can really see where our money is going. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we, are, we want to be that storehouse as the church. We want to uh, be able to provide for needs when the freeze happened. You know, we, it, was easily, it was easy for us to deploy resources and, and provide for needs when, when those types of emergencies, when there's a family in crisis, uh, easy for us to go and provide for, for them. We're, we're feeding the kids during the summer. We're uh, connected and, and providing for all of these local and global ministries. So that's uh, the picture of what the church is and, and can continue to look like and grow as, as we continue to give to the Lord through, keyword through, not to, but through the local church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would echo you, Jose, in saying, looking at those bank statements. Yeah. Where are your resources actually going? I know that's something that my family does regularly is we look at that and then we pray over that budget and say, go. God, are we allocating your resources to where you would have us spend our money? And allowing that to be the barometer of whether that is I'm giving my 10% tithe, or there's an opportunity to give more than that, or maybe it's our, our finances are in great shape, but our time is not yeah. in great shape, or my talents are not in great shape. And so allowing that to be a prayerful, discerning activity and that uh, becoming a rhythm of life, doing it once a year, at least for me, is not enough. That has to be a regular conversation with my family. And it also has to be a regular conversation between my family and God and allowing him to drive that process. And then yielding to the Holy Spirit's leading in that, because I know there have been times in my life where I've been called to give. And in my cognitive brain, I'm saying that doesn't make sense. Don't do that. You have already poured over the numbers and allowing the Holy Spirit to really work in and through you to give to those needs and allow God to provide for you in your personal life so that people individual needs can be met. 
That's good. That's good. This wasn't a great talk just about stewardship, just in general, but I think it was neat to see it through the lens of heaven on earth and just seeing what we're investing mm-hmm. for eternity. Jose, let me give you the final word as we wrap up this and continue on in the yeah. series, Heaven on this, Earth. This is a big principle that God is indeed enough. So when we trust him, we can trust him to provide in every way in our lives. And also uh, it's amazing that he chooses to use us to provide for other people as well. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.